Hey everyone, it's Ashley. And it's Mark. Welcome to Conversations in Courage. Each week we will talk about a range of topics, from race to our school systems, to the state of our nation, to fear, and of course to courage. Everything that lights us up and pisses us off. Absolutely. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to our home. We are so excited to get started. You know, you may hear the dishwasher running or the cats meowing, but we wouldn't have it any other way. Let's get going. Good morning. Happy Monday. Yes. (laughs) The dog is definitely eating in the background, so if you hear lots of chewing, I sort of apologize, but also... You know, I don't. Um, what's up, Mark? What's up? You're kind of in like a sleep-deprived state of that being. That about sums it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm still in the process of uh, of awakening. So. That's okay. I think you'll get there. Yes, I will. Yeah. So, today we want to talk about a beginner's mind. Um, I also want to just acknowledge that... The feedback we're receiving from this podcast has been so incredible. Um, it's it's amazing to hear that you're enjoying it, that you're bringing it to your colleagues, that you're using it for work, that it's become a topic of conversation, that um, people have learned things that either they didn't know about me or that concepts that they haven't thought about yet. So, ah, such good stuff. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to continue pouring on the gratitude every episode because it is the most powerful emotion and it's just what I want to lean into more and more in my life. So anyway, yes, a beginner's mind. <laughs> what does this mean? So it's a Zen Buddhist term, right? And it's about letting go of your preconceived notions and seeing things with an open mind or a fresh perspective. It's about humility. It's about respect. Marky. Yes, Ashley. What else? <laughs> what you you fucker. <laughs> what else do you want to say about a beginner's mind? Like how can how can we look at it? Yeah, I mean like to me I immediately go to the the parable about the the emptying of the cup, right? In martial arts circles, they use these these terms interchangeably. Right, this was student goes to the master, wants to learn everything. Every time the master tries to share, the student kind of interjects. So the master then says, can I pour you some tea? He fills his cup with tea. And then the master proceeds to pour his own cup of tea into the student's cup. And the student says, wait, you can't do that. My cup is overflowing. And the master says, exactly. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I bring it back. And given my martial art ba- background, I have definitely put this, had to force myself to put this in practice many times and also see this everywhere else, corporate environment, relationships. So this is such an an empowering and exciting topic for me. Yeah, I agree. We, there, I think there are so many ways to, um, sort of break this apart because for me with my background in right acting theater, whatever, um, a beginner's mind is often or was often talked about, especially in graduate school, when you're when you're learning movement, right? You kind of have to like let go of the ways that you've been taught to move or the way that you think your body moves and, and sort of like take in what you're 
being taught or when you're learning a new role, right? You have to, right, when I was playing Juliet in my second year, I had to let go of this, like, Claire Danes, Leonardo DiCaprio version of Romeo and Juliet. Where the hell was it? But where the hell was I in that moment? <laughs> but go on, please. Um, I, I don't even want to talk about where you were in your life. Not a great place because you weren't with me. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, I had to let go of every every way that I saw Juliet, right? Especially when it comes to race and body type, right? I'm not this, like, thin, white, waif-like, timid creature. Um, so I had to use my, like, beginner's mind stuff to say, like, well, who is actually Juliet, like, as written on the page, right? Not how many other people have played her and what have they done. So I think that... There are so many ways that you can use this beginner's mind, athletics, corporate environment, um, your relationships, any and all of it. And this is why this is so important today. Um, I want to talk about what the positives are in having a beginner's mind sort of um, way of way of being, philosophy, a way of looking at the world. Yeah, I think. And by the way, before you go on, the thing that just kind of triggered in my head as you were talking about this, I go back to our last discussion around empathy, mm. and isn't isn't there a relationship between the two? Right? If you can truly put yourself in the role of someone else as you are going through your acting experience, isn't that kind of the same thing as what you're really talking about in the mind? What a positive positive to lead <laughs> to lead off with yeah because it is about the other person and we talked about that and and oddly enough to bring it back to acting this is not an episode about acting but um whenever we would be nervous about performing one of my professors would say like you know if you focus on your scene partner you have nothing to be nervous about, right? Stop making it about you. That's why you're nervous because all the focus is on you. And if you put it on the other person, right, it, it, you don't have time to think about yourself because you're truly actively listening and responding to what is versus what was or what you think will be, right? Yes, that's it's beautiful. <laughs> the way Mark is smiling at me right now, uh-huh. you're making me lose focus. Stop it. Damn it. So, so as positives, we, we certainly have empathy. I'm also thinking of like growth versus fixed mindset, right? Um, I think a beginner's mind is about a growth mindset. It's about um, possibility. Um, it's about sort of like, sussing out and pulling on threads and 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 wanting to be a student and learn and figure out and not just sort of take whatever you've been fed in whatever environment you know you may have grown up in or or you know school as indoctrination as we heard Jane Elliott say the other day right um it's about not taking those things to be utter fact now and forever and always yeah, and I think, you know, that, that term resonates with me so much with this concept of indoctrination because in our lives, we are always being indoctrinated in schools, in our work environment, in relationships, in all of that. So I think if we remind ourselves that that is just a process that happens and, and in order to really get to a growth mindset, it's not necessarily about 
quote unquote resisting it, but it's it's recognizing it and understanding that you need to insert your own perspective, your own point of view, so that indoctrination doesn't become who you are, but it just becomes yeah, well, no, be, and, and by inserting your own perspective, that to me, that means you're committing to being a lifelong student, yes. and you're committing to allowing your perspective to change, and not being afraid of what that change does to your environment, like trusting that, that the elevation of you and the elevation of your thought and your processes are going to elevate your environment, and you can't yeah. be afraid of that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think back, again, not to make this, from my perspective, all about the martial arts, but, <laughs> but, I, but I also think back to, you know, when I got my black belt, right? You, people think that that's like the epitome. And I remember my sensei telling me, right, your learning just starts now. And mm-hmm. I didn't really recognize what he was telling me until, as a black belt, now you are looked upon to, to really teach and to coach and to put yourself in all these environments. And I will tell you, you know, most of the time when I got hit in my martial arts career, it was not by someone who was better trained than me, although that certainly happened, but it was through new students because they weren't indoctrinated. They don't know, quote unquote, how to throw a perfect punch. So they're unpredictable. And guess what? Because (laughs) I'm fixated on what was, and this is how things work in the confines of Mm. a student-teacher relationship. They would come at me and hit me and like put me in these holes that I'm like, what the actual fuck? That is like, so interesting to me. And once you recognize that, I think that's a forcing function, which is let yourself go. Once you can start to say, don't look at this particular technique and here's all the things that represent right. Just react to what is. Right. Like things shift. Right. And that is true now outside of the theater, outside, <laughs> outside of, the of martial dojo, arts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think that's so, so valuable because especially even still I'm seeing on social media, um, you know, just the complaints about what is right now. And it's like, dude, you gotta find, you gotta find a way to shift your consciousness, to shift your thinking because like, you know, the world is what it is and, and we can certainly work to change it. However, like we have to acknowledge what is to know where we're going and, and sort of like maybe the how we're going to get right. there. Right. Um, but again, that comes back to a beginner's mind. That comes back to being open. That comes back to fresh perspectives. So what are the pitfalls? I mean, we love talking about... <laughs> cognitive biases um and so like there are two of them that i'm thinking of cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias that are definitely two examples of pitfalls um why don't you tell everyone one of the two and i'll and i'll just talk about the other one so whichever one makes you tick more yeah so to me um the one that's probably closest to to like what's what's driven, driven me and my experiences is confirmation bias, right? Which is this tendency to, to notice and focus on and give like extra credence or weight to evidence that fits our own narrative, our mm. own pre-existing beliefs, right? Our own motions. And, um, you know, I think, again, now I'll flip into a corporate environment. 
it causes such breakdown when you're trying to have critical conversations mm. and you know reach a point of conclusion that can benefit all. Um, because all you're looking for are the points that they're saying that confirm your own beliefs versus what they're really um, struggling with. So you, so you're saying like, okay, if I am your employee um, and I'm coming to you and I'm saying that Mark, you know, I don't feel like you're a great leader. I feel like your leadership, um, you know, impinges my ability to do my job. Like, how would confirmation bias, like, come into play at at that moment? Would you be like, would, does that mean you would sort of dispel anything I'm saying because it doesn't fit with how you view yourself as a leader, right? Is that how it would be? Is like... You know what I mean? It's like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm a great leader. Here's all the evidence I'm a great leader. I'm not going to listen to this feedback. It doesn't matter. Is that sort of what you mean? Yes, but like, and immediately maybe change the narrative because typically those dialogues don't occur without some type of good action occurring between the two of us. So like in a a true sense of confirmation bias, I could bring this all the way back and say, you know, that really surprises me because the last time we spoke, you were talking about the great support that I had given you in this ah, particular okay. thing, right? So I'm looking for the evidence in the in the context of our relationship to validate my own point of view, okay? Right. And versus having a beginner's mind and saying, "Huh, let me get back to you on that." Like, can we table this conversation for 24 hours and and going back and thinking, what are ways that I could be a better leader? What are my blind spots? What are my what are the holes in my leadership? Like, is that what you mean? Yes, I yeah. am. And, and yeah. I'll, I'll take it one step further. Like, so for example, if this was a coachable moment, and that same employee came to me and said, "Hey, I'm having a problem with a peer of mine." My question to that person would be, "What is it about them that's causing you?" Right? That like, tell me about the behaviors that that person is doing. Beginner's mind, because I don't know necessarily that peer. Right. If I look at myself, that same question can be posed, but it means that I have to admit the fact. <laughs> That there's, a, that there's something that I'm doing, some behavior. It doesn't mean it's good or bad, but it's certainly some behavior that I'm doing that is causing a challenge with this individual. And therein lies the issue because you have to go back and be honest with yourself and then you got to do something about it. And those two things ding, ding. are, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's for another episode because we'll be here all MF and morning. Yes. Um, so the one that I think of is cognitive dissonance, which I think we see all the time, and especially sort of in this current racial unrest landscape. And I hate saying that it's current because it ain't current. <laughs> it's like current to other people. But it's not new to like anyone who has, who has like uh, always been an ally or or who is actually like a member of a marginalized group. So anyway, cognitive dissonance. It's when we avoid having conflicting beliefs and attitudes because it makes us feel uncomfortable. I'm gonna read that again, because I have it written down on a piece of paper, because I didn't want you to miss it. When we avoid having conflicting beliefs and attitudes, because it makes us feel uncomfortable, that is cognitive dissonance. Your brain literally 
trying to protect you and keep you feeling safe, not keep you safe, but keep you feeling safe by forcing you to shy away from any conflict whatsoever because you're uncomfortable by it. And we can all think about times when when we've sort of like leaned into cognitive dissonance as a means of self-preservation, right? Um, and I think that I think that these 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 two biases, cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, are not only pitfalls, but also, I mean, they they're dictating our current reality, right? They're, they're dictating um, what's going on, not only in the corporate environment that you may work in, but it dictates how you parent, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of friend you are, the mm-hmm. kind of partner you are, mm-hmm. um, racial stereotypes, exclusionary practices, discrimination, hiring, recruiting, biases. It's in sports. It's in theater. It's like these these two things, we chose them to talk about this morning because they're just so pervasive in how we live and how we and how we think and and how we um you know how we move about in the world how how we uh what you call it um for me it goes back to like empathy yeah right? absolutely a- absolutely how we interact with other people and i also think I think that these two like are so intertwined as well because when I think about cognitive dissonance, one way to protect yourself is through a narrative of confirmation bias, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. Right? Because, oh my God, I love you. So you're right, so and, smart. And 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 right the 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 racial kind of uh, I don't want to call it unrest, but I like know, this, this rising of people. I think what we're seeing is like this forcing function that, that is creating a beginner's mind without people recognizing it. So you right. think about all these things together for so long, it's like, well, you know, the the African-American community are obviously better off, you know, today than they were 30 years ago. Here's the reasons, confirmation bias. Right. Well, shit, but look at the reality. Look at how people right. live and right. behave. Snapshot in time. Because it actually makes you fucking uncomfortable yes, exactly if you right. look at the truth, then you have to implicate yourself in that truth and that's where it becomes uncomfortable yes in my opinion or one of the reasons it's not the only reason but it's one of the reasons why you become uncomfortable because you know that you and your privilege yep are implicated but see here's where confirmation bias comes in because i have black friends so i can't be (laughs) implicated i can have an opinion right this is it's so fascinating but it goes back to the core which is you have to force yourself to just learn anew right I'm so glad you said that because I think we should end this episode by we're so damn excited. I'm, I'm like Jesus. I'm sitting here like are people gonna even understand the words that are flying out of our mouths over the last 18 minutes? I hope you do, but I'm sure I'm sure if if like you don't, someone will slide into my DMs and say, "What the fuck were you talking about?" Um, what are what are the action items? We're always about ways to move forward. We we know that 
We can read all of the books, the articles, watch all of the documentaries. We can post all of the memes, but that is not true action, right? That's that's in some, that's uh, an aspect of, of education. That's one part of it. Yes. I'm not saying that it's not an important part, but what can we do, Marky? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, if we were to break it down into to maybe five steps, you know, the first one is is to use the tools that, you know, we already have in front of us, whether it's meditation or deep breathing or, you know, other things that help you center on what the real aspects Going inward. Yeah, right. Versus always looking at this outward lens. And social media doesn't help, right? But it certainly doesn't. But it really is creating that 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 capability to look look inward. Yeah, that's fair. We also talked about a little bit earlier um, making the other person a priority. Yes. This, which ties into empathy, right? So um, making sure you're actively listening. Um, and not just waiting to talk or waiting to give your opinion or um, waiting to uh, give an example of a shared experience. I don't know how many times I do this too, so I'm, I'm not, you know, like removing myself from it. But um, if someone's like, oh, I went to the beach as a kid and then you jump and you're like oh my god me too I went to the beach as a kid and this and this and this and this maybe instead of always searching for a point of connection which is important but maybe fully listening and engaging before sort of trying to trying to like find ways to make yourself more comfortable. And I would I would argue, right? This is where everything becomes just so fascinatingly intertwined is looking if you really are interested in a connection professionally, personally, whatever it might be, actually listening not just to the words that are spoken but to every nuance, every pause, every body movement, every thoughtful look away, all those things are saying things and it allows you to kind of probe a little bit deeper. And yeah. the more you learn, the, the deeper you're connected. Right. I totally agree. And I think that I think that when we find people who are genuine listeners, we feel so connected to those people. Think about the people in your life who really listen to you, who are not your therapist, who actually are who are not paid to listen to you. Yes. You feel so comfortable. You feel like you're able to be open. So like why not provide that for someone else? Amen. So we have sort of inward activities, meditation, yoga, prayer, uh, breathing exercises, whatever. And then we have um, make the other person a priority. What else? Yeah, I mean, I think like really tactically, there's a there's this re- this fascinating and uncomfortable test called the implicit bias test, um, and Harvard had put it out. I think it started back in like the late '90s, and it it really sheds a lens on your own biases and not overt biases, but like these hidden biases that that really will kind of shock you to your core at times. So I think taking that test and then also marrying that, there's a great book out there called uh, Blind Spot. Blind Spot, yeah. um, That just like creates this different perspective. It got me in like the first like 15 pages or so. It tells a story about... about some emergency situation, right? Am I remembering this correctly? And and it just gives you 
facts, um, no gender, no anything. And it's, you know, a parent, I think a child gets hurt and a parent is there. And then like they talk about the emergency room doctor or something like that. And then you turn to the next page and you realize that you're through your own bias. You've made this like parent out to be a mom and the doctor out to be a man. And you're like, fuck, I didn't. Ah, of course the, the doctor could be any gender. Why did I think man? Right. First, why did I assign this higher status, like, group to or label to a male? Because you've been indoctrinated. Well, yes, exactly. exactly. But like, but this is exactly. exactly But this is why. So, so then when you so going forward, right now that I know that that is something that that's something that I have to challenge because that in and of itself affects how I think about me as a black female. Like, 100%. I certainly consciously don't ascribe myself to a lower status group, even though I know that in in our, like, social hierarchy, black women are not at the top. Right. But, but then, apparently, my bias says that I do view myself as a lower status group, at least under a white man, yeah. which is fucked up. Yep. Exactly right. So, we have... Inward activities, viewing the other person as a priority, take an implicit bias test and read the book Blind Spot. We will link the test and Blind Spot in the show notes for sure so you could find those easily. And then, Marky, take us home, baby. Yeah, so, you know, I love the term, as you know, right? Um, I don't think about either or. I always think of and or try to force myself into yeah. and. Yeah. and. And that goes back to this concept of good and bad, right? Part of the reason why I think people can't get to a beginner's mind um, perspective is because it, it means that they have to understand that there's something about them that they don't know, which means, a.k.a. they're, they're bad in some way. Yeah. There really is only one way to look at that. The greater good is the only good that you really need. The fact that you Hmm. as an individual are not bad or good, but you just don't necessarily have a full understanding of the other person, of the experience, of, you know, life that's changing around you. If you can relinquish your view on on this concept of good and bad and not knowing equals bad, and just saying, shit, not knowing is just life. And it's also an opportunity to... (laughs) To know something, right. to, not to figure out something, Isn't that a great thing? which for me goes back to fixed birth versus growth mindset. Also, a hundred percent. Oh my gosh, I feel like this should have a part two, but we're not going to make it a part two. But <laughs> I feel like it, it it's it's going to keep coming up because we can't talk about the things that we want to talk about without talking about a beginner's mind or perception or perspective or right cognitive biases. So this exactly. is this is a wonderful start and continuation. Yes, and I'm totally awake now just <laughs> <laughs> You better be cuz you got am. shit to do. Amen. Um thank you so much everyone. I will see you on the internet all week because I'm back Welcome on back. the internet. Uh, Thank you. Um, have an amazing, amazing, amazing day. Thank you. Take care, everyone.